0: Hey everybody, I don't know about you, but seeing that literally scares the heck out of me. Right now, we are living in a culture with such high levels of political division, racial tensions, financial stress, and threats of ongoing violence all around us. People are walking into a company, a school, a church, YouTube. They're walking in with guns and bombs and randomly killing innocent people. And we see that threat all the way to talks of nuclear missiles from North Korea. If you're like me, you're wondering, what the heck is going on in the world? It feels like our country is going to hell in a handbasket. Is this the end of the world? And then maybe on a personal level, Have you ever felt personally like it was the end of your world? I think of times when I faced overwhelming difficulties where it just felt like the end of the world to me. When I was 12, my parents divorced. When I went through a painful breakup right after college, there was a time in my marriage where we really struggled. And then later on in life, there were difficult seasons with our teenagers where we wondered, would we ever get through it and make it to the other side? And maybe some of you are here today, and you're dealing with the loss of a job, the news of cancer, the death of a loved one, and it just feels like the end of the world. Could it be? Is the end of the world real or fake? news. That's what we're wrestling with today. And we have an outline for our talk. It's a light blue sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. All the verses from the Bible that we're looking at are printed there for you. And this question about the end of the world, can I tell you, we're not the first ones to ask it. Did you know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus' disciples, they came up to him, and they asked him the exact same question. In fact, look what it says in Matthew 24, 3. It says, later, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him in private and asked, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the what? End of the world. Did you know that all throughout history, people have had different theories about the end of the world, and our generation is no different. Everyone seems to have a theory. You know, astrologers, they look at the stars and they search manuscripts to predict the apocalypse. Environmentalists point to the dangers of global warming and environmental calamities. Scientists warn us of deadly disease outbreaks like swine flu or cosmic meteor showers that will pummel the earth. Governments warn us of terrorist threats and dangers of nuclear war. And it seems like every week the Hollywood tabloids predict an invasion of alien creatures who are descendants of Elvis, right? Who do you believe? Friends, are the predictions of the end of the world, is it real or fake news? Well, today I want to point you to the most reliable, truthful source ever given. The Bible, God's word, God's love letter to us where he spells out his love, his plan, his his purpose for our lives and for the world. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly that there are five things that we should know about the end of the world. And I printed there, there on your outline, and I hope you'll write them down. The first thing that we should know about the end of the world is number one, your life and the world had a beginning. Had a beginning. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139 that that God made you, that he knit you together in your mother's womb, and he made you special and in his image. Do you know one of the most important days in your history was your beginning, your birthday? That was the day that God gifted the world with you. In fact, I want you to think of the importance of that day by pointing to the words of the great theologian, Dr. Seuss, who gave this explanation on the importance of your birthday. And this is what Dr. Seuss wrote. He said, today is your birthday, and today you are you. And if we didn't have birthdays, then you wouldn't be you. And if you'd never been born, then what would you be? You you might be a fish or a toad in a tree. You might be a doorknob or three baked potatoes or a bag full of hard old green tomatoes. Or worse than all that, you might be a wasn't. A wasn't has no fun at all. No, he doesn't. A wasn't just isn't. He just isn't present. But you, you are you. Now, isn't that pleasant? Today, you are you, and that is truer than true. There is no one alive who youer than you. Shout it out loud. (laughs) I am lucky to be what I am. Thank goodness I'm not just a clam or a ham or a dusty old jar of gooseberry jam. I am what I am. That's a great thing to be. So if I say so myself, happy birthday to me. That's good, right? Isn't that good? Do you know that, that you had a beginning, a birthday? And in the same way, do you know that this earth, the world we live in, had a birthday as well? The Bible explains it this way in Genesis 1-1. Some of the most profound words ever written that says, in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth see when it comes to the end of the world you should know that that your life and the world had a beginning and then number two you should know that your life and the world will have an end your life and this world will have an end makes me think of another poem one of my all-time favorites it goes like this dust if you must But wouldn't it be better to paint a picture or write a letter, to bake a cake or plant a seed or ponder the difference between want and need? Dust if you must, but there is not much time with rivers to swim and mountains to climb, with with music to hear and books to read and friends to cherish and a life to lead. Dust if you must, but there's a world out there with the sun in your eyes and the wind in your hair, a flutter of snow, a shower of rain, this day will not come around again so dust if you must but bear in mind that old age will come and it is not kind and when you go and go you must you yourself will make more dust right <laughs> friends i love that poem because it highlights the truth of hebrews nine twenty-seven, that says everyone must die once and then be judged by god do you know, our physical bodies will not last forever. They will come to an end. And just like you, friends, this world is not eternal. Resources will not last forever. There will be a day that this world ends. And the Bible talks about it. In fact, just one of many verses that I'll point to is found on your outline. 2 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 10 says, But the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. See, the Bible tells us that our lives and the world had a beginning, it had an end, and number three, one thing that you need to know about the end of the world, friends, you can count on it. We do know Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. You know, during the Last Supper, in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus told his disciples, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, what? Come back. I will come back. And take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. See, friends, Jesus promised his followers that he would come back for them. And then on your outline, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And then the angel said these words in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. The angel said, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return. Underline that phrase. He will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Friends, this is known as the second coming of Christ, the day of the Lord, judgment day, the rapture, Armageddon. It's the promise that Jesus made that no matter how dark it gets, no matter how crazy it gets in this life, the reality, friends, is he's coming back He's coming back to set everything right because the Bible proclaimed it, Jesus promised it. And friends, that's what we know. What we don't know is number four is we don't know when. We don't know when. Did you know every generation since the resurrection of Christ, people have tried to predict the date and time of the second coming. They all, and, and every prediction, do you know they all share one thing in common? they were all wrong they were all wrong in fact 20 years ago a religious group from taiwan they sold everything they had and they moved from taiwan to garland texas and they moved to garland because in their mind garland sounded like god's land and they predicted that christ would come back in a flying saucer On March 25th 1998 almost exactly 20 years ago that on March 25th 1998 that Jesus would come back and that he would appear on channel 18 on every television set in the world any of you remember that 20 years ago So they said he's coming back March 25th 1998. Well on March 26 1998 the news media responded with these headlines God is a (laughs) no-show friends See, whenever you hear someone give a prediction of a date and time for the end of the world, the first thing that should come to mind are the words of Jesus found on your outline in Mark chapter 13, verses 32 and 33. It says this, but about that day or hour, what? No one, underlying the phrase, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Friends, Jesus made it clear. Our job is not to try to predict the date of the end of the world, but number five on your outline, here's our job. Our job is to be ready, to get ready, to be prepared. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour where you do not expect Him, when you do not expect Him. You know, someone once said, no one knows the day or hour of the end of the world. It could be today, tomorrow, 100, or 1,000 years from now. But what I do know, check out this quote. Check out this quote. The end of the world will come in your lifetime. Because either Jesus will come back or you will die. And when that happens, it will be the end of the world, at least for you. So friends, here's our big question as we try to discover the end of the world. Is it real or fake news? Here's the big question. Are you ready? Are you ready? If Jesus came back today, if today was the end of the world, is your soul right with God? Are your relationships clean and clear with your loved ones? Are you living your life on purpose? See, what I want to do with the rest of my time in this message is I want to talk to you about the most important thing how to be prepared how to get ready for the end of the world and this is where our friends you know this is where our faith in jesus comes in because no doubt listen to me we are living in scary stressful times but when you know that you're ready and that you're right with god When you live with real faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to live in fear and panic, but your faith helps you to live in peace. Let me explain it this way. Many of you know I'm a huge Warriors fan, but many times they'll play at a time where I can't watch it live, like they are playing as I speak right now. I can't watch the game live, so what do I do? I tape the game. But so I get excited, so like later tonight I'm going to watch the Warriors game. But sometimes... People will tell me before I watch the game. Someone will text me, hey, bro, the Warriors killed it tonight. They had a great win, and they'll tell me in advance, or they'll shoot me the score, and I'm like, oh, man. But I'll tell you what, even though sometimes, even if I get the score before they see the game, even if I know that they won the game in advance, because I'm such a huge fan and I love the Warriors, I'll still watch the game, but when I already know the score at the end, when I watch, there's a lot less fear and anxiety. I don't get all bent out of shape. If they get behind or they miss a key shot or they make a stupid foul, I don't, have to, I don't have to stress out because in the end, I know in advance that they win. So friends, the same is true when you have real faith in Jesus Christ. You know by his resurrection that he won the victory over sin and death. You know he's prepared a place for us in heaven. You know he's coming back for us. And you know that in the end, our great warrior Jesus, he wins. And if you're a follower of Christ, you're on the winning team. Doesn't mean you, you, you won't live in this life, that you won't live with pain and problems. In fact, Jesus told you in advance that your life was going to be hard. Did you know that? In fact, look at your outline of what Jesus said in John 6.33. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. Meaning, friends, you're gonna have some bumps and bruises, hurts and heartaches. There, there are gonna be times where, where you're gonna have some real struggles, but take heart, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. and i have conquered death with my resurrection i'll come back in victory and i'll come to get you at the end of the world And so between that day and this day today how do you live your life when it feels like it's the end of the world i was thinking of the best way to try to encourage us and it made me think of my spartan team it made me think of my spartan team in fact Do you know that my Spartan team, we train right here every Tuesday night at 6.30, and if you want to come and work out with us and join the team, you can come be a part of that. Well, we train on one Tuesday night. Our coach, Coach Brenda, she comes in. She gathers the team. She said, all right, team, come together. I want to tell you something. We're changing our name. We're changing our name. We're now going to be known as Team Triple G, And triple G, she said, because that's how I want us to train. That's how I want us to run the race. And that's how God wants his followers to live with triple G. Triple G, dog. No, she didn't say that, but triple G. And I thought, what is triple G? She said, first, the first G is God wants us to live with grit. With grit. When Coach Brenda started training us from the very beginning, she made it clear hey, guys, to run a Spartan race, it's going to be hard. And if you want to finish the race, you got to grow in grit. you got to have a flat-out determination that you're going to endure the pain and not quit when it gets hard. Now, grit is kind of hard to explain. Uh, on, on the screens, it says this, grit is turning a, a pressure into a praise, a, a trial into a triumph. It's, it's turning mud, mud into a medal right? And I wanted you to see this because to get this, you got to pay with that. To get this, if you want to get the medal, you're going to have to go through some mud. That's just the price you pay to run a Spartan race. Friends, to, to get us ready for the mud and the mess and the pain and the stress of a Spartan race, our coach Intentionally, listen to me, our coach intentionally puts us through stressing, physically stressing situations. Like running stairs with a 40-pound sandbag, or climbing ropes, or flipping tires, or tons of burpees. And she did that to train us to run the race well, so that we wouldn't quit. We'd show the grit not to quit during the race. And she did all that because she was committed to do everything she could to make sure we all crossed the finish line. And friends, did you know that in the race of life, do you know our coach, Jesus Christ, does the exact same thing? In fact, I want you to check out this grit growing verse on your outline. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 6, it says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. Friends, that's grit. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope and salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, meaning he's going to get us to the finish line. We know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, friends, don't get me wrong. I really like Spartan races. It really helps me. I love the training. It helps me develop the physical grit, and that just carries over to every other area of my life. Again, if you're interested in joining our Spartan Life group, you can just write Spartan on your communication card and show up right here Tuesday night at 6:30. But let me be clear. I am not trying to get everyone to run Spartan races. Because ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, who cares? Right? Can I get an amen? amen. Who cares? Man, do you know one day this is gonna be probably thrown in the trash? Who cares? I'm not talking about like, you know, doing Spartan races to get in shape and here's what here's what I care about. In the light of eternity and the end of the world, I want to encourage everyone to develop spiritual grit where you run the race of faith with endurance so that when you come to the end of the world, you cross God's finish line and you get God's medal. You get God's well done, good and faithful servant because that means everything in fact that's why i put second corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 on your outline says therefore since god in his mercy has given us this new way we what We, we live with grit we don't quit we never give up that's the first g of triple g the second g is gratitude gratitude Do you know, as Spartans, we run with gratitude because God has given us eyes to see the trail, arms to lift, flip the tires, legs to run, feet to jump, a team to help us get over obstacles together. We run with an attitude of gratitude. Do you know, as Christians, that God calls us to live our whole life this way? And yet, do I need to tell you, friends, we are living in a culture a contagious culture of complaining. And if you are not careful, it will infect you as well. Do you remember the story of the monk? He wanted to join this high-level monastery, but to get in, you you had to pledge and promise to go a whole year without talking, total silence. And at the end of the first year, if you wanted to stay, you were allowed to say two words, and then you start all over year by year by year, two words a year. So the guy is so excited. He wanted this monastery and he gets there and he lives for one year, doesn't say a word. And then he goes to the head monk and he gets, after his year, he gets to say two words. This is what he said: Bad food. Then <laughs> he starts a second year, goes through a whole year, doesn't say a word for a whole year, gets in a second year, and he goes to the head monk. He, monk says, Okay, what are your words? And he says, hard bed oh yeah signs up for a third year goes with the whole third year doesn't say anything for a whole year and then he comes in and he gets to say his two words and he says i'm leaving <laughs> the head monk says well i'm not surprised you've been complaining since you got here <laughs> right well friends <laughs> human nature human nature apart from christ A lot of this, we've been complaining since we got here. We live in a culture that feels entitled. I have my rights. I'm not going to put up with any crap. I'm going to get what I want. And a greasy, you know, greasy wheel gets the oil I'm going to make. And we complain and we gripe and we, let me, (laughs) I'm not going to say a cuss word, but we be and moan and friends. That's not God's way. It's not God's Way. This is so key because if we're gonna run our race well, the real race of life and faith, we have to do everything to cut out complaining. That's why Philippians 2 14 says this in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing. In fact, underline that phrase, stay away from complaining. In fact, I want you to see it's kind of hard to see my favorite cartoon on complaining. Now, it's hard to see, but it says complaint compartment. Right in front of the window, there's a little guillotine, and the guy says, hey, step a little closer, so I can't quite hear what you're saying. Like, stick your head through, and whoosh. Well, friends, let that cartoon to be a reminder to do whatever it takes to cut out the complaining, because that's God's call on our lives. That's God's will for us, even in difficult times. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tells us this always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, would you underline the phrase, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you? Now, friends, look at this verse carefully. It doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. The truth is, there are some really bad things that happen in this life. There are bad things that happen in this world. But friends, can I tell you, in all things, I can maintain an attitude of gratitude, knowing that God has my back, that God's with me, that he'll never leave me, that he'll always help me. And in the end, God wins. Do you know one of my favorite prayers is a, is a thanksgiving prayer that I'd like to share with you now. It's just called, Thank You, Lord. And I think it helps us have the right perspective. It just goes like this. Thank you, Lord, for this sink full of dirty dishes. It means we have plenty of food to eat. Thank you, Lord, for this pile of dirty, stinky laundry. We have plenty of nice clothes to wear. And I'd like to thank you, Lord, for those unmade beds. They were so warm and comfortable last night. I know that not everyone has a bed. And my thanks to you, Lord, for this bathroom, complete with all the splattered mess, soggy, grimy towels, and dirty lavatory. They are so convenient. Thank you for that finger-smudged refrigerator that needs defrosting so badly. It has served us faithfully through many years, and is full of cold drinks and enough leftovers for two or three meals. The whole family is grateful for this tall grass that needs mowing and and the lawn that needs raking. We really enjoy our yard. And Lord, for the presence of all these chores awaiting me, you have richly blessed my family. I shall do them cheerfully, and I shall do them gratefully as I live with gratitude. See, grit, gratitude, and then the final G, would you write this down? Team Triple G, we live with grace, grace. See, a lot of people have a hard time understanding grace. Like what is grace? I think the greatest picture of grace ever given is the the symbol of the cross. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three is one of my favorite running passages. It says this, and let us run, like this life of faith, let us run with endurance, with grit, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He, now check this out, picture of grace. He endured the cross. He endured the cross. Did you know that on Friday, March 30th, it was Good Friday do You know, we call it Good Friday because that's when Jesus suffered something really bad on the cross so that we could have something really good. God's forgiveness, his gift of eternal life, his amazing grace. Well, can I tell you on, on Friday, March 30th, early that morning, I came here to church and I was doing my morning devotions. And while I was praying, we have this old rugged cross outside on our campus And while I was praying, I felt like God was telling me to go pick up and carry the cross. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, God, really? (laughs) God, if I do that and I walk around carrying a cross, people are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think I'm a religious fanatic, a nutcase. And it's so funny because I felt like God was saying to me, wait a second, Paul. You're willing to carry a 70-pound sandbag up and down stairs to win a medal, but you're not willing to carry the only symbol, the cross, that can save souls? And I said, okay, okay, God, I'm convinced. I'll do it. And uh, I picked up the cross, and I got to tell you, it took some grit, because that thing was heavy. And I carried that thing for a mile. Went up to Safeway and around and down the street and over by the 99 cent store. But I was kind of walking. I got to be honest with you, as I'm carrying it first, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm kind of saying, okay, God, I'm doing this for you, but man, I really kind of hope nobody sees me. (laughs) Well, people saw me. People like saw me coming and then crossed the street to go. you like, who's this guy? One guy drove by in a car, slowed down, pulled out his phone and started filming me. <laughs> you know, at first I was kind of embarrassed. But then I started thinking, I started feeling gratitude. Like, wow, Jesus, you did this for me. And then I started thinking that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that what? That saved me. Save me, God's good. And he saved me through the cross, through the amazing cross of Christ. Now here's the deal: When I finished my little walk, man, I got to put the cross down and go back to life as usual. But Jesus, it was a different story for him. He was really beaten. He was really tortured. Talk about humiliation. He carried the real cross and he took real nails. And friends, he had my back when he put that cross on his back. And I love him for it. And friends, he did it. He took up the cross so that I could be ready. And he died on the cross so that you could be ready for the end of the world, friends. And because Jesus took up that cross for me, can I tell you, man, I want to live this way. I want to live with grit and gratitude and grace. And I'm not the only one. Can I tell you, I'd like to take a moment to introduce you to a gracious person who's part of my Spartan team. And she's really a triple G lady. So let's give a warm crossroads welcome to Gigi Kewley as she comes to share her story now.
1: Well, hello. My name is Gigi, and I'm part of the Spartan team, Triple G. The three Gs, as Paul has already said, are grit, gratitude, and grace. But in my humble opinion, the three Gs actually refer to God's got Gigi. So, this is, um, and that, at least, is what I was telling myself during the race that I ran two weeks ago. So, about a year ago, I read a book where the author decided to change up her life by trying to do something new every day for a year. I like the idea of shaking up my life and doing more of what God wants me to do. So I embarked on this Spartan journey. So my favorite book is the Bible, but my second favorite book is the dictionary, because I love words. So that said, let's look at these three words. The first G that Paul talked about was grit, and it means courage and resolve, strength of character. I must say that sitting on the couch, which is what I was doing way too much of, is not grit, and when I train, I feel God's presence in my courage and my resolve. I couldn't do any of this without God. The second G Paul talked about is gratitude. According to the dictionary, gratitude is readiness to show appreciation for and return kindness. I am so grateful that God gave me Spartan teammates. Training is way more fun with people running towards the same goal. I could not have finished without them. We encouraged each other, we pushed each other, we helped each other. For example, there was this one obstacle that required picking up a 50-pound concrete ball, carrying it about 15 yards, putting it down, doing five burpees, which was the easy part, picking it back up and returning to the start. Well, I knew from practice that I I could pick up the ball, but then I couldn't stand up. I'm so grateful for my teammate, um, having my teammate Becca. She helped me stand up, twice. And also for Mark and Anthony who helped boost me over the walls. And the countless thanks to Brenda, Coach Brenda, for the training to get us ready. Um, The ongoing encouragement, and especially for the shared burpees at the spear toss and the rope climb. Now on to the third G that Paul talked about, grace. This word had the most definitions in the dictionary, but here's what it primarily means to me. The free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Did you hear that? It's free, unmerited, favor of God. Salvation of me, a sinner, bestowing blessings. While I was running the race, there were a few times that I was overcome by tears tears because I didn't feel like I deserved the help, the support, the camaraderie, or the love. I was overwhelmed by grace. God was filling me with grace, telling me that I am worth it, that I am his precious child. He gave me the opportunity, the race, and the teammates to shine for him, a shining example of his grace. I put in the work, and he gets the glory. I am so humbled. I'll keep running so that he can keep showing me his grace. My grit is his glory. Because of this, I not only get off the couch to run Spartan races um to sorry. But to run for God with grit and gratitude so that others can know his amazing grace. God's got Gigi, but he has each one of you too. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Gigi. I love that lady. You know that she's been graciously serving in this church for over 20 years. And one of the reasons we're even here today is because of the ministry of this great lady who loves God and who loves you. You know, in her story, she, the, the same grace that saved Gigi and also saved me is also extended to you. I close with the last verse in your outline from Ephesians 2.8 that says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Would you underline the phrase, it is a gift from God? Because I want to give you a chance to receive that gift of grace right now as we pray together. Would you pray with me? With your heads bowed, would you just take in a deep breath? and a moment to reflect. Think about what a gift your life is. And then ask the question, am I ready? If Jesus came back today, or if today was the end of my world, am I ready? Would you say, God, would you just cover me with your grace? as I put my faith in your son, Jesus Christ? Would you say, God, guard me from complaining and help me develop an attitude of gratitude for all your blessings and the good things in my life? And then would you say, God, would you use the challenges, even the challenges I'm facing now, to develop grit, as I determine, come what may, in this life, that no matter what, I will cling to Christ and I will never quit until the end of the world. For Christ's sake, amen. Amen.